0: In the pandemic, books were not socially distant from us. It was one of the comforts for a lot of people. There were books to read and books to follow and books to look forward to. But one of the strange things about reading, although it's done silently and it's done alone most of the time, that you want to share books, that if you like a book, you want someone else to read it, that you love the idea of a book that is in a way being, being part of the community or part of a community of readers. With that in mind, the art of reading is a way of bringing readers together, It's a way of choosing books that I think people might like because they have given me a lot of pleasure and having a discussion about these books and bringing people together so that we all know that it's not just that reading is a form of pleasure, which it also is, but it's an art. It's actually a way for us to engage intellectually and imaginatively with words, with sentences, with what writers have done and um, So for that reason, um, I wanted to share these books that have mattered so much to me.
1: Hello,
0: Louise. How are you?
1: Great. How are you?
0: I'm terrific. Um, Just uh, there are a number of things I want to start with uh, to try and tease out why this book is so good. And I thought the first one I'd do would be to ask you to take us through the making of Kushner imagining her, recreating her, adding to her, you know, really sort of in the round, this character who's so memorable, and and I think so much at the centre of this book.
1: Um, I think a version of Kushla had maybe appeared um, in a story that I wrote a few years ago that appears, it's in the collection, it's called In Silhouette, and um, the the character is younger, she's probably 17 or 18, and that story, um, I guess it spans about 40 years, and it's about A young one getting dressed up to go out, it sort of opens in a bar and a stranger uh, comes into the bar who she's quite taken with. but then her brother and his friends mur- murder him. So um, um, and and she sort of haunted with that for for I guess of being associated with that, although she wasn't actually there. Um, you know, for the for the rest of her life. So I think that maybe it started with that. Um, maybe Kushla is like an amalgam of um of a lot of the young women um who sort of reared me or 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 who 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 lived at our house. So my father. Um and mother like my mother was nineteen when she had me so she would have been not much older than Kushla at that time and um I suppose a lot of the clothes that Kushla wears and um I guess uh the carpenters appear um and stuff a lot of the soundtrack really is the soundtrack to my my childhood um but I think there was maybe something else you know um that um I had aunts who um another women that I knew who were young um young Catholic women um, living in the north and um they were educated um. Um, I suppose, you know, they, they were teachers, but at the same time, they were probably expected to live um, you know, live with their mothers until um some nice um upstanding Catholic chap turned up and, and married them. And um, and I think maybe I was conscious of the fact that in the broader society um, things have become a lot more permissive. And I guess that maybe I wanted to see what would happen if if I threw temptation in the way of um of somebody like that.
0: Jim? I had a feeling sometimes that you didn't do research for the book, that you knew the things. I just want to give you one example, is the importance of the magazine Cosmopolitan for women of a certain type in a certain year. For example, Kushler discovers that the pill she's on, which, which is meant to regulate her periods, is in fact the pill. Mm-hmm. But she buys this out in the pages of Cosmopolitan. It's mm-hmm. another moment where she buys it and her mother looks at it, But there, mm-hmm. but but that, but that magazine, on one side it's glamorous but on the other side it, it, it's it's a, a portal it's a way for women to find out a lot of things about their bodies or what's going on i feel <laughs> you didn't have to look that up
1: no i did really have to look it up because that was actually still the case like i went to college in um in dublin in 1984 and um um, 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 you know, women's reproductive rights have only very recently been sorted out in this country, so I think for a lot of women, they did find out about things from, from Cosmopolitan, so it was, uh, it was certainly a thing in in my day. Um, but I also can remember, you know, um, going into the newsagents, um, maybe with my mother or something on a Saturday, or later, you know, with my pocket money, and seeing um, uh, Cosmopolitan on the shelves, you know, if I was maybe buying a copy of um, Jackie or, or something, and you um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just these very sort of sexy, glamorous um, uh, covers. Um, yeah, and then later realizing that they did have all of this, it was like kind of a manual for being a young woman, really. Um,
0: and do you see the book as an historical novel in the sense that everything has changed since then? But let's forget about the North, we'll come back to that in a minute. But I mean that a young woman now seeing an older man who's married come into a bar. Would be much more wary and much more alert to the politics of the situation and who has power and who doesn't, but mm-hmm. but I think we genuinely see Kushta not not occurring to her how little power she's going to have if she embarks on this
1: um yeah i yeah I, the the historical novel thing um yeah i see what you mean i mean i have to say that in the beginning i i was a bit sort of like what when people said you've written a historical novel i was thinking this happens in my lifetime like what age am i <laughs> in fairness. um but but yeah i mean i think that um this is a comment that particularly young younger readers in the US um have, have been have really picked up on the the age difference and, and the politics of, of that. Um because it yeah, I think these days, you know, my daughter's in in her early twenties, she'd be appalled if some old fella, um, you know, um tried to uh, tried to flatter her in a pub or something where she was working, you know. Um but I do think that, you know, it's I think. I, I had a conversation with somebody about this where they um they didn't really get what I mean, I suppose I wasn't trying to do anything, but I, I think that Michael's a bit of a sleazebag. Um <laughs> but he's a sleazebag bag who does some good work in his in his in, in his professional life. Um but you look, like, you wouldn't want to be married to him and you certainly wouldn't want to be in your twenties and finding out that, you know, there've been a string of of women um, like that you know before you but, and and also um i mean I, I think elsewhere you know there in the book um you know, there's a uh, there's one scene where um, Kush falls asleep on the couch and she wakes up and Michael Parkinson is interviewing Helen Mirren and um, that video I think went viral a couple of years ago and people were appalled. But I actually remember seeing that on TV. when we had a babysitter who didn't care what time we went to bed at, and um, and even then just wondering. I, I think I was probably about seven or seven, seven or eight, but just one, not really quite understanding, but knowing there was something very wrong with the way that uh, Parkinson spoke to her. Um, but in the book I have. Um Kushler commented that you know he's a dirty article. And um and the mother said, um the the mother says or I have to sorry get get this right, that um yeah.
0: Yeah, I that, think, yeah that um Kushner says he's a dirty article, but the mother hasn't even noticed that.
1: Yeah, so the mother the mother actually says dirty article, and Kushler, presumes she's talking about Michael Parkinson, but actually she's talking about Helen Mirren because she's yeah. wearing a dress with like little skinny straps on it. So I think there's this kind of in, internalized um, uh, misogyny, which um, I, I don't know if that's entirely gone away either. You know, with um, you know with Kushner's um, mother, and then um, and then there's probably I don't know. I mean, there was just that sort of everyday sexism. It was so casual, you know, that there were like women with big boobs on beer cans and um, and all of those um, you know images in newspapers and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. um, there's a question I could have easily started with because it's one of the notable things with the book. It's one of the um, I, th- I think technically for anyone who's writing or anyone who's studying the intricacies of writing, where you have a seamlessness in how you deal with dialogue, how you deal with c- things coming on the news. You don't use inverted commas. You don't use italics. You just simply let the narrative flow. It's a very, very difficult thing to do because because tonally they're different. But oddly enough, they have to sit beside each other. In other words, you're saying what someone did, where someone went, mm-hmm. a news bulletin coming directly as quotation, and someone speaking without any difference in the, you know, and um, I suppose in the systems like mm-hmm. such as not not inverted commas. Could you could, could you talk us Could you talk about that?
1: Yeah. So I think um, the I, it wasn't really a decision to um, to introduce a, a lot of the chapters begin with. Um, with lines from a news bulletin. And sometimes these are heard on the radio or seen on television. But a lot of the time they're voiced by the children who Kush the teachers because they do the news every morning, which um you know because it's 1975 and very near Belfast, the kids are like, we war reporters. Um so that wasn't really um I I, I think I, I I wrote a few scenes. I began with writing a few scenes and um each one when I really thought about that time and thought about what it was like, um, all of it was informed by this kind of—I mean, I guess it's a sign of anxiety, really, you know, about um, about the place that we lived in, and, and, and there's this anxiety that sort of clung to everyday life. So when I, um, so when I opened, you know, with those lines. I, I guess I just presumed that um that people would then you know if it was in the classroom room that after a while the reader would know that um that this was the children reciting the news or you know there's maybe another chapter where there are a couple of lines like that and then Christian the switches the radio off and I sort of hoped that that would be okay and maybe the decision about um dialogue and not using um notation for for the speech is just something that I started to do um with the short stories um, from the outset, I think, because, um, I, I don't know, I think the, the book is told in the third person, um, uh, past tense, but I wanted it to be really close to Kushner's point of view. And I think, that I mean, I think I hoped that maybe by removing all the notation, and I, I did that with the stories as well, that it would maybe bed the dialogue kind of deeper down into the text and make it feel closer to the, the narrator or something.
0: I, I think it's, it's, it's important for the drama of the book exactly where the novel is set. In other words, it's not Belfast. It's mm-hmm. not um, in a Catholic enclave or a Protestant enclave. It's in a place that is still mixed in some way. But of course, the mixture becomes more and more tense, and things become more and more noticed. I think the first thing you notice there is how really uneasy Kushla is when she's when she's in the room with Protestants only. mm
1: mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I mean, I. This... I, I, I have to say that that's really drawn very heavily from um, from my um, from my early life, I suppose, because we lived in Hollywood, which was um, I mean I, I never named Hollywood in it, but um, towards the end I think I kind of forgot myself. I was determined to not name it, and then I think I kind of forgot myself, and um, and I, I I mentioned a statue that's at the bottom of the main street beside a playground. It's called Johnny the Jig, and as soon as I said that, people went, Oh, well, that's Hollywood, so they all knew straight away, um, but. Um, I, yeah, I mean, ho- Hollywood was, you know, I've had people have been a pains to say to me, oh, you lived in Hollywood, like oh, not much happened there, which is probably true compared with a lot of places. Um, but there were a few incidents and they all seem to um, have affected my family. Um, so, um, the, you know, my grandmother was really badly injured in a bomb in 1971 and she was on her way to the bank. And then we had a bar, that, um, bombs were planted in a couple of times, um, I think that anxiety about um, being in Protestant company or something is, um, I think that my abiding memory of of living in the North is of people clearly having to restrain themselves all the time from speaking their minds because you were always terrified of offending somebody. Um, So I think that there yeah maybe that's where that anxiety comes from because i do remember that very clearly and also you know this idea of hollywood being mixed it wasn't really mixed hollywood was um 90 protestant um and we were in you know part of a very small um catholic community and um, just to give you an idea of of what that actually meant in in terms of um 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 politics and i don't even mean sort of um I, I don't mean in, in terms of sort of orange or green politics. It was it was actually so um, it, it was so unionist, stroke loyalist that um, in 1979, when it came to the um, the first European Parliament elections, um, and it was obviously a much broader, you know, bigger constituency. And my mother went in secret to a house um, where John Hume was going to be talking to people because the place was so polarized um that even somebody like John Hume would have been seen as um Republican you know there wasn't even an alliance party candidate in in the elections for Westminster and stuff it was really a a sort of strange place um to live in some ways so there was a lot of anxiety attached to all of that
0: yeah and, and I think you work very well in the novel with the complexities of that in other words that there's a bar and you think, oh, well, bars, surely bars, there's, there's a loyalist bar and there's a Catholic bar. Mm-hmm. But but in this place, this sort of fictional Hollywood, let's say, there, mm-hmm. there's still a possibility in 1975 that, that there's a bar run by a Catholic in which British soldiers come to be served drink.
1: Yeah. Well, um, well uh, another thing, which um, it, it has changed um, to an extent, and I think most of the reason for that is that the traditional industries have kind of gone, they've collapsed. Um, but the Catholic middle class really... Um, until pretty recently it was made up of uh publicans and bookies um a few doctors and a few solicitors and the reason for that was that um um i think is that um uh, providing gambling and boozing services would have been considered to be immoral for um for presbyterians so they didn't want to be seen um to uh, engage in those sort of businesses so those were the the trades that were left to to Catholics and then I suppose what they did then was to educate their their children so that's where the doctors and 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 lawyers came from so as far as I could make out that's kind of that that was the Catholic middle class so yeah the vast majority of pubs in the north were were run by by Catholics
0: and then you also have the small question of the school mm-hmm. and the school is the other sort of I mean if, if there are a number of cauldrons that are boiling in the book one being mm-hmm. the pub the other being the school just just give us your your thinking around the creation of slattery and bradley
1: um yeah so um i think that i probably began to i i was probably pretty young when i realized that we were part of a a class system within a class system because i think that's maybe often the case in societies that are quite uh, divided and um within you know our small catholic community there was definitely a, a hierarchy and i do remember from my uh, primary school which is very very similar to the the school that Kushna uh, teaches in and um, that at one stage there was a, a fire and um and, and brimstone um priest who um had very strong sectarian views who used to come in and terrorize it so there's one story that he tells that actually was told in my class by a priest Um but then also um there did seem to be families who were um very much kind of on the margins and i just noticed that maybe there wasn't as much kindness as you as you might have hoped you know that wasn't like we were all down trodden together but i think that this was maybe the case in all systems you know what i mean so yeah and yeah. i
0: think there's something particularly um hard about bradley in, in 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 the sense that he really wants to keep um you know a, he wants he wants to keep a cover on everything So, so mm-hmm. Kushler, when she's driving the kid home, for example, or she's being mm-hmm. especially kind to the kid. Bradley's sort of watching from a window. Slattery is watching from a window. Yeah. And they don't want that. That's a disruption mm-hmm. of some sort of, mm-hmm. um, you know, that there should be very no close relationships um, mm-hmm. between, say, teachers and students, but more than that, between teachers and that particular family. And
1: so mm-hmm. there's a whole
0: sense of crucially being watched by these two men.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think maybe that was influenced by things that weren't even necessarily from the north. I think um, I remember when I was probably maybe I was still in school in in the eighties. Um, um, I I really vividly remember um what happened to Eileen Flynn um where she lost her job um over her you know being a, with a man who she she wasn't married to, and um, and just how hard the church you know did come down on on people who were um, perceived to be not in the line or something because a lot of that really was about control.
0: And 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 so it's, it's a very important matter in the North, even still, isn't it the whole matter of sectarian education and the church's interest in holding on to that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I it mean, yeah. yeah,
1: it is still, but I mean, um, so I think that, we left in 79 and I think that Lagan College, which was the first integrated secondary school, opened a year or two after that. Um, so there wasn't any um, option. Um for so I did a year in a in a secondary school in the north in a wee tiny grammar school um in, in Hollywood and um um the, the schools were um all as far as I could make out were religious they were either Catholic or, or Protestant and um it's it, it's sort of a strange thing. Um my my parents, for example, wouldn't have been, you know, they weren't very devout Catholics. Um, you know, like we never did family rosaries or anything like that. Um You know, when we moved to the south, I kind of couldn't believe that. I remember going to a friend's house and at six o'clock, you're looking at a row of backsides, but everybody's like dropped to the floor, you know, um, um, because we never had anything like that. Um, But I think that with the schools, um, you know, in the 70s, I think in the 80s, and I'm not sure when it changed, but I know that it has changed. um, Gaelic Games results were never, ever, ever Covered on the BBC, the Irish language was never ever used on the on the BBC. And if you were from, um, you know, where, where a, a lot of us, you know, who would have identified as Irish and um, and and had been educated with that or grown up with that, it, it had the effect of um, not just making you feel, um, <coughs> excuse me, invisible, but also um, it, it made those interests seem somehow subversive. Um, and I think that maybe the schools. Were a way of, you know, a way of not just preserving religion, but of continuing those or holding on to those uh, traditions or aspects of culture.
0: Yeah, I mean that's interesting. Then you isn't know? it in, in the uh, that the Michael and his friends, being liberal Protestants, mm-hmm. um, the, the thing they want to do ostensibly they say they want to do is learn Irish, mm-hmm. which would be a very big move for them.
1: Well, you see, it is isn't. it isn't... There were things that I used to be fascinated about. Um, like, I, I remember hearing when I was about 10 or 11 that there were some people in Hollywood who were learning Irish, and they would have been like Michael friends, Francis sort of, um, uh, well, you know, well-heeled, sort of uh, vaguely bohemian people who were learning Irish. And... Um, are, I remember going home and mentioning this to my father, who was like, what the hell would they be learning Irish for? But um I, I think there's there's I mean, I do think that those characters in the book are kind of playing at being Irish, except for Michael. I think with him, it's genuine because you know he 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 went to college in Dublin. Like vast numbers of Northern Protestants went to, to, to Trinity and they are, you know, they were very familiar with um with, with with Dublin. Um, whereas I think the others are kind of messing. you know, he seems to be the only one who's really doing his homework.
0: Yeah. Um uh, at least, tell me um am i was i wrong to spot jerry as gay very early in the book
1: you're the only person who did so your gaydar is obviously very very Hold on a am i really not one other per everybody was at the end went oh god is he gay nobody nobody else flagged that at all i swear to I god don't
0: believe you.
1: and in fact i didn't even i didn't even know he was going to be gay until yeah Jerry wasn't gay until like draft two or something. So yeah.
0: But I mean, that first scene where he he almost kisses her, you know, when he, mm-hmm. when he takes her home, was that deliberately there? I mean, sorry I just the minute it happened, I said, Oh, Jerry's gay.
1: Did you? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's hilarious um no I think I had it that Jerry was just uh Jerry actually was a lot less appealing in 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 ways in probably in the first draft and um so Jerry was um like way more nervous like sort of nervous to the point of being like kind of slimy and glistening with um with and uh, you know with with the stress of taking Kush out and um and actually I think that he was probably trying it on with her for a, a, a good bit longer and I think that she to, in the first draft I think she might have. She might have gone off them or something a couple of times. Um, I mean,
0: it suited her to have him there because she could always claim that he was the one she was going to Dublin with. You know, satisfying well, you her. See, that's that's
1: really funny you should say that because um somebody said to me um a while ago and I was kind of mortified um why does well I, I was sitting reading in Belfast and this woman put her hand up and said why does Kushler not have any friends. And I said, well, she does have a friend. She has Jerry. Well, what they the woman meant was that um, why, why does Kushla not have any female friends? So in the for, for about the first four or five drafts, Kushla did have a, a friend called Christine, and um, Christine was getting married and was this like kind of nightmare, um, Bridezilla type. And Kushla used to go and meet her in Belfast sometimes, and you know they'd sit and eat um, like custard tarts and um and um and then christine uh, would go and throw up because she was anorexic and then kushna go home on the train and my editor said that christine was kind of performing the same function as jerry except that she was too far away from the action and also that jerry was a possible alibi a plausible alibi um for her you know disappearances and stuff so that's kind of um yeah jerry ended up being kind of an amalgam of, of those two characters.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lovely moment where I, I think it's Jerry. correct me if I'm wrong, who hears Michael say, moustache, which is sort of a posh. Oh, it's the mustache. Brother, moustache, And he says, yeah. and he says um, I think it might be a bit of a flute. Yeah. And uh, I just love that idea that Michael, you know, that, you know that yeah. who, who's was the it flute? He says, oh, yeah,
1: he says, I think he's all right. And then he says something like moustache, and I think he's a flute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think
0: this is a really interesting idea, that she doesn't have a friend in belfast that she can go in and see that if mm-hmm. you take that friend away you isolate her mm-hmm. now you make this plausible by simply the matter that she went home mm-hmm. after training teacher training college she went home and home was just far enough away in a city that you know in a place that wasn't that easy to move around in anyway it, mm-hmm. it wasn't as you know and that she got more and more isolated even over a year or two even over one year with her mother with the death of her father, with her brother, that home is where the heart breaks. home it becomes a sort of prison. Mm-hmm. And the notion that she can that that anyone who would see her anywhere would have to say to her, "Get out now. You must. You cannot look after your mother in the way you're doing. You, you know, you cannot work part- time at your brother's bar. You cannot work in that school. There's no one to say that to her. so yeah. she like, treat all of that as normal. in, 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 a, in a way she begins to sort of uh, I suppose, um, perform her own imprisonment in, in a way that seems natural to her. So mm-hmm. I think it's essential that she doesn't have another, you know, you know, a friend who's advising her or a friend who's getting married. I, I think that would, in in a way, weaken the power of the book, which is her her isolation seeming so natural.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, um, I, know, I know
0: that's not a question, but yeah. it, <laughs> if you no, just no, I,
1: I know what you mean. Yeah, I think. Um you see it was quite easy to get isolated and cut off you know where we lived it was literally five miles from belfast but it just felt like a world away you know and um we my mother's mother lived um on the crumlin road so it was above Ardoyne, nor- a bit north of Ardoyne. and um for about three or four years my mom used to pick us up from school and and go to check on her mother Um i um it, Gina Kushner's mother is is kind of um an amalgam of both my grandmothers who, who both had very um healthy um or unhealthy should I say uh, healthy appetites for drink just unhealthy um drink drinking habits I guess and um so we used to go and see her and um I think I was really conscious quite early of the extent to which geography um and probably class to an extent although I wouldn't have known really that's what it was seemed to affect um y- your experience of of the of the troubles so um people really very much where they could retreated into into their own uh areas and, and didn't really come out again and the people who had to live in in interface areas just closed the doors and, and hope for the best you know and so so that trip to her house used to take us through um Ardoin which um I I don't know any other way to describe it except that it was kind of in a state of intifada for about four or five years you know the the, the riot seems to be just constant um you know, there's a a, a scene, uh, um, I think in the opening of the book, I describe um, a scene, you know, the opening uh, part of the news where um, a, a, a child climbs up the side of a Saracen um, personnel carrier, yeah. pokes a stone in. So I saw that happen so many times. Like, You know, these were kids who weren't, like, much older than us and stuff as well. So I, I know that definitely my parents kind of lost touch with people a bit, you know. I think they all thought that we were just, like, them through. You know meadows of wildflowers in Hollywood or something. Um, uh, you know where?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think this is essential for the plot, even even in another way, that it has to be fully plausible that she falls for Michael. And one of the ways it's fully plausible is that there isn't anything else. It isn't as though she's going to dances or there mm-hmm. there are parties with friends. She's simply isolated with her drunken mother. She's teaching mm-hmm. in this school, and here is someone who starts to look at her, mm-hmm. and she finds him handsome and the therefore you think well this is obviously what she's going to do because she's going to she's going to need him so badly because really around her there is there there are no other possibilities.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, um, and and that really was the case. That you know, um, you know, my parents would talk very fondly about all the dances that they used to go to in the sixties and stuff. But by the seventies, that was completely gone. All of that yeah. was gone. Yeah. Um, the city centre was um, closed off, so there were no pubs in the city centre. Any of the other pubs um, were. I mean, I remember. Probably in the it was it was in the 80s, I was still a student and and, and going to the north um and going to a table quiz on the Ormo Road. And um so you know, people had started to take tables and we sat um in, in front of the window and were told to get away from there. You know, so even to not sit inside the window of a bar in particular areas in case somebody come and spray it with bullets. Um so all all of those things had just made it very difficult for people to go out, you know. So um yeah, there and, then,
0: else. and then you have to create Michael. In in other words, you, that you can't make him fully irresponsible. That mm-hmm. that you can't obviously he you know he has to have a sort of um intelligence that interests her as much as physically he interests her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, you know, in making him a liberal barrister,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you you actually give us another drama then, which is with, with, within that world of Protestant privilege, there's an mm-hmm. argument going on. Um
1: Yeah, there is, and I think um you see. Um, like my in-laws for example um, are Protestants from Derry who uh, went to Trinity and um, my father-in-law went on civil rights marches um, he used to go home at weekends to go on civil rights marches Now my father never went to a civil rights march do you know no. what I mean I just, no. I, I sort of did, didn't want to um, you know there are these sort of um, accepted binaries of you know Catholics do this and Protestants do that and I, I wanted to get away from, from that a little bit um, you know people involved in the civil rights movement um you know they weren't all catholic in the beginning um and also i i'm really interested in um in the fact that um presbyterians although i think a lot of them don't realize it because of the way that history is taught or not taught in schools in the north actually come from this really great liberal tradition if you look at um you know the, the 1798 um that rebellion really was um in, in the north led by um by ulster presbyterians which is yeah. kind of interesting. So I, I think that's where I brought in uh, that book, Betsy Gray uh, and the Hearts of Down. There's a mention of that.
0: You uh, you make this schoolroom experience very interesting, very sweet.
1: Um, yeah, I think. And so well, I think Kushna in the classroom is probably very much based on a teacher I had when I was about seven or eight called Miss McKenna who um, used to do mad things where, like, nobody was bringing a lot of cultural capital into the room. But she'd, um, like, play a Mozart horn concerto and get us to write something. And we were just writing either nothing or looking out the window, or, you know. But if you did write anything, she'd tell you you were amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, some some of that was based on her. And um, yeah, I, I think yeah, she she probably was particularly kind to uh, some of the kids who were maybe, you know, there was in Hollywood there was a big estate very much like the one that the McGones lived in and um and i think the kids who lived there you know some of them would have been in mixed marriages and they were getting a, a pretty hard time and she would have been quite kind to to a lot of those kids as well
0: i think for anyone who's been a teacher there's always a student that got away you know someone who could have been brilliant who could have gone on to do anything and just slipped out one day didn't come back into class and it broke your heart because you thought if only something had been done that day mm-hmm. and uh, Obviously, you have this oddly attractive older brother of Davy, who's the kid who's really the, the who's really sweet and needy and affectionate. But his older brother is slightly distant, and he's he's sort of sexual and he's watchful. I, I think he's a sort of brilliant creation.
1: Um, yeah, he. Um, I don't really know. You see, there were lots of things that I didn't know about him. Um, he, he. I think with subsequent drafts, he became a lot more important, and um, um, I. I think it was maybe quite a few drafts before, maybe it was the second or third draft before um I, I realized um that he was going to have such a, a huge um part in in I suppose what's the, the the plot and what happens to Michael. Um so so that sort of came out in, in in the writing of it.
0: Yeah. I mean that that you're making it clear that there was one way for someone like him to go. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, that that it was into. Joining one of the organisations, whereas his younger brother is is much softer fellow. Mm-hmm. He's much more sweet, and he, and he and he really is being damaged really badly, mm-hmm. by, not only by what's happening at home, because the house is is the only sort of mixed mm-hmm. house in a, in a in a housing estate, but also what's happening at school. That that there's a there's a creepy creepy business of slattery, mm-hmm. you know, whispering into his ear. There's there's a moment of I think mm-hmm. a, 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 it would be an a. Ast- astonishing moment in a film but it's astonishing enough in your book we don't need a film for this is when he he gives him a much longer slattery gives him at their first confession a much longer penance than the others
1: okay i got that so that with with the crazy priest that we had i got a very long penance because he didn't he didn't like my family this this actually happened so i was um my penance was about half an hour long and actually my mother called me um out of the pew
0: and do you uh, mean that everybody would notice how long your penance was going on for? I think it must have uh, a major did notice sin. how long
1: your penance was, though. Do you remember that? Like people did actually remember how long your penance was. Yeah, and then it's going they tended
0: to be good, like it was a three with three our fathers or something. He went away. Yeah. I never I never saw that, but I but I know that if, if it was first confession. Mm-hmm. And if one was singled out in that way, yeah, it's a very dramatic thing. But there, yeah. but there is a creepiness in in, in the priest. I mean, he doesn't nothing happens, but it isn't as though the priest is not moving towards grooming or in some direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think I I was kind of a bit worried about that because I didn't. I just thought there was quite enough going on without um, without poor yeah. Davy being abused as well. So and I just didn't want to try and. I didn't want to deal with, I think I didn't want to just, you know, lob it in and, and not deal with it properly. So I, I I kind of didn't go that far. But who knows, you know, maybe maybe he yeah. was grooming him.
0: But I mean, I, I think that's subtle in the book where the, the, there are a number of things. One of them is that, that, that you that you just have it there. It's just the way things are. Mm-hmm. But you don't dramatize it. It doesn't, I mean, no, he doesn't become an abuse victim, the boy. He, there's mm-hmm. enough going on, as you say. The other one, of course, is Jerry. that you don't mm-hmm. have Jerry coming out in the middle of. Class, or you know that, that you oh. don't make Jerry, no, no, but you yeah. don't make that that, that issue. Um, you don't, you don't give it any importance in the book. No, mm-hmm. as you said there's enough happening. You don't need side dramas because the central drama has to remain um, yeah, really strong yeah. and sort of passionately there. You
1: know? Yeah, because it was um, like sometimes it was sort of hard to keep all the balls in the air because there was the Kushla and Michael story, and then there was you know Kushla's life at work and the relationship with the McEown family, and it was sort of hard to. Um, I think it took a good few drafts to try and get, a, you know, what I felt was a balance between those. And, you know, just to keep them both going and then to have them going somewhere in the end. And that was hard enough without throwing in a load of other stuff as well. Um,
0: I thought you made Gina, who's the mother with 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 great complexity, where she's not just a drunk. For mm-hmm. example, like we see her in the bar. Where she's yeah. actually very good. There's a moment where you say she really knew how to manage a bar because obviously yeah. that was what she's doing all her life. She also is, is sometimes very modern and with it in, in, in the way she dresses or moves. Yeah. So in the middle of the whole thing, she just wants to soak up as much gin as she can get. Yeah. And um I hope that that is water. Um at uh, she um but but was, she is another aspect, yeah. but she is another <laughs> aspect of the prison. In the worst, nonetheless. She's another aspect of the prison. She's one of the she's one of Kushner's prisoners, or one of Kuschler's um, gaolers. Yeah, gaylers.
1: Yeah, she is absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure all of you have met uh, women like this. You know, I think there's something maybe with um, uh, with with Gina, which is that um, you know, there's a there's a part where Kuschler reflects on she's driving past her father's father's home, like her kind of paternal grandfather's house on the Malone Road. So they would have been. Catholics who I suppose got out of poverty a generation earlier, and um, so and um, and she she recalls that Gina used to say I married above myself, and um, there was a woman who I I knew probably of that generation who used to say that, and um, you know I suppose um, Gina is um, is a you know was you know a, a good looking Millie, which is how she would have been described in Belfast, who ended up um, you know doing okay. For herself by marriage and she's far from stupid but she's widowed quite long quite young um but the business doesn't go to her it goes to her fairly unpleasant son Eamon and um, there's kind of nowhere for her to go with any of us and I think she's isolated too because her sisters and you know in my head are um are all living in, in 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 Belfast and still seeing each other but she's kind of moved away in terms of class and and is quite isolated from that point of view, and, and I think, you know, for um, maybe women of her generation, that a lot of their respectability probably came from uh, the marriages they made. And if they were gone, then they were just alone.
0: I, I, I didn't see Eamon as that unpleasant as much as under extraordinary pressure, because it must be clear in if you own a bar, you get mm-hmm. to hear a lot. You get to know why is somebody not coming in today? I mean, by the way, I love your character has a has a has an egg an egg inside his 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 jacket to go home and cook. He's just he, that's just a great detail. <laughs> I love that. But 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 he, you know he gets to know a lot about his customers and mm-hmm. the silences and the things said and the news coming on television, how everyone responds. Mm-hmm. So in, in in a way he sees what's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, Amon does, and he just seems to me constantly harassed and worried, and all all he's trying to do is keep this bar going.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean. I, I, I suppose, you know, my my family had a bar that that my um, granny ran, I suppose, but really my my two uncles ran it. And um, my father never worked in it. Um, but my mother, my father was studying, he he changed to be an accountant, he never wanted to work in a pub. But b- before they had the pub, my grandfather was a bookie. So my father loved being a bookie, but he didn't want to work in a bar. So um, my mother used to work, the you know, a few shifts a week in, in the pub in the evenings. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that there was that anxiety you know some of those see I mean the story is complete fiction but you know the scene with the powers that happened Um, there were other things there were so many things that I, if I'd put them all in the book people would have been gone for god's sake you know because they were just so ridiculous Um, so um yeah yeah I don't know I mean I, I think that the way he is in the bar he's maybe not too unpleasant but you know there's a scene on Easter Sunday where he says Okay. You know, where he's very, where they're all talking about where Kushner was the previous night. Um, so, you know, he is a bit uh, dismissive of her.
0: Yeah, and and, there's, and and there was that sense, I think, in the 70s into the 80s of Northerners coming to Dublin and just looking around and saying, where is the security? And the fact that you could go anywhere, you've got a, I think a wonderful picture of Winds Hotel in Middle Abbey Street. But more than that, I think it's the picture of just coming into a city that isn't under siege. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's i mean it isn't just they're having a weekend together but they're having a weekend away from all the pressure
1: mm-hmm. um yeah i think for a lot of northerners and um, dublin was very much uh like that you know um but then yeah i i think there was that but then there were other things that i kind of figured later on you know um um i i suppose the main time that a lot of northern um nationalists or catholics would get away from the north would be around um around the 12th of July and um you know so you go to the south where people aren't singing about being up to their knees in your blood and and various other things um so which is what you'd have to put up with um if you lived anywhere near a parade which we did um so so there was that but I think that then you know when we were moving to the to the south in 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 1979 I didn't really want to move and um beg my parents to put me in a in a boarding school and they said that if you know if 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 we were moving, everybody was moving because we were probably quite rightly um, realised that, you know, I'd be basically moving out of home at the age of 12, which they weren't really ready for. Um, and um, they really sold it to us that we were coming to the the promised land or something. Um, because, I suppose, because of the sort of area that we lived in, where we were mostly going around the place kind of pretending not, you know, pretending not to be anything um, and trying not to offend people. And. Um, but then when we did come to live in the South, I think I saw it maybe in a different way. That it did seem to be a very closed um, theocracy and very um, homogenous, but not in, in, in a particularly great way in 1979 as well. So that was kind of interesting.
0: Um, if I was writing this story about you, I would have you coming out one night from work, you know, from, from the from the kitchen for a smoke outside and someone else being there. And the two of you talking, you go back in, and the other person turning, you just say, "You know, you should be a writer. You should write all that down. Have you ever thought of that?" <laughs> now, did that ever happen?
1: Um, I probably did a few times. Yeah, I was wasting all my best lines in mulligans and Pullback Street for for about twenty. Uh, well, not twenty years, about ten years. Yeah.
0: And did um, did you, did you yeah, write wrote,
1: anything down? No, I wrote nothing. I could. I didn't write anything. Um, I always read a lot. Um, I read probably about three books a week since I was about three. So, um, yeah, but I never wrote. Um, I think I thought that you had to be, like, magical or something to write.
0: And when did that change?
1: Um, I think it changed when I spent about five weeks after my very first um, kind of uh, reluctant visit to, or attendance at a writing group Um when I agreed to write a short story, presuming that the others would um, tell me it was shite and like free me from the shame of having to try and write another one. Um, but I think that, I I think it changed when, um, maybe I just figured it wasn't really about whether anybody liked it or whether it was any good or anything. Um, although I did want to be good at it. I, I think Una Manion, my friend Una Manion, um was in the writing group and. I think I really wanted her to um, approve yeah. of anything that I wrote. So she was yeah. a great motivator. Um, but I, I think that, um, I, I I, just think that something kind of shifted in me or something. I don't, I don't know what it was. I think it was maybe something about language because I don't speak the way that I talk in my head. Sounds nuts. Because um, I have a southern accent, you know. So I think that when I write, I write the way that I speak in my head, which is like a northerner.
0: It it, the the prose that, as, as I said it earlier, it's, there's a seamlessness in the way you can move from one tone into another. But there's also, I think, a sort of there's a sort of naturalness. It's it's the sound of breath is how you make the sentences and how you make the dialogue. So I suppose the question is, did this come at the start? Then you, you sat down to write this story. Yes, I, I get the thing about Una, Una Mania, that you want. If all you need is one person yeah for you and you want that one person yeah. to actually not yeah. be embarrassed and say you know I didn't want to tell you but this is the worst you know you so say you want that to work but then you yeah. sit down and do it so she's still hard?
1: the she's the person who tells me like I would trust her with my life so um if I write something you know the way when you're writing sometimes you something's a bit hard and you fix it up a bit and you think you've got away with it and um and then she reads it, and that'll be the one line she say, There's something not right here. So she always knows. She never get away with anything. So she's like always that person, like more than my editor or anything. I hope she never sees this, but um, yeah, more than anybody. But um...
0: and when you're doing, when you're talking about drafting, yeah, do you do a full draft, a full draft, a full draft, or do you um, mess about? I mean, just you know the, that you fix you you fix what's wrong rather than doing another full draft.
1: Um, I did a full draft with this because I didn't know what else to do really. And it was maybe about the circumstances, um, you know, that I, around the time that I tried to write it. So, um, I found out I had, um, melanoma and I had surgery and I knew it was going to be off work for about two or three months. And, um, I watched all of call my agent and then I watched in about two days and I was on painkillers. And then I watched a lot of the wire, um. And um, and actually, Michael is kind of based on Dominic West because I was perfect on him for, for a lot of the first... um oh, yeah. Guess, for a lot of you the first... You weren't alone round. in that, I think. What? You weren't alone in that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so I just... Um, to avoid thinking about whether I was dying or not and to get my arse out of the chair and stop watching TV, um, I thought, well, okay, maybe you're not going to have, like, loads of years to write a novel. Um, or to go out and say I'm writing a novel when I wasn't actually really doing anything except um, listening to The Carpenters or something um, and watching ridiculous videos about the REC. So um, I, I made a deal with myself that I'd try and write a thousand words a day. And the other part of that was, and I knew I wouldn't be able to do that, but I did it. I, I did manage to turn up at the desk often enough that I'd have, I had about 65,000 words after about 10 weeks. But the other thing that I did was to force myself not to look back and just to keep pushing forward with the story and um, like the the that draft was a shocking mess. It was very bad. Like the tense kept changing and characters' names were changing and some of the times the religion was changing and it was just horrendous. And the second draft took a very long time just because yeah. I had a lot of cleaning up to do. But um, I didn't approach the short stories like that at all. Like I just kind of inched my way through. And um, I think maybe because I had a, a, a clear idea of what they were about or something way it's a story it can be very elusive or something the idea yeah that, way, that, uh, that,
0: that, that 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 in a way drafting won't help yeah. because if you don't get it you don't get it you know
1: exactly but with yeah. a novel
0: you can actually just do it again things can work um i, I, I suppose another question is <coughs> and, and this is a it's a, a hard question to ask formulation it's hard one to answer is do you think that there's a sort of unconscious thing now for all of us on the island but especially people who were who in who are in the north? That it won't go away. That it, that it's bubbling under. That 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 it's in our minds in all sorts of funny ways, all sorts of fearful ways, and mm-hmm. that it's going to come. That that it's not as though 1975 is historical. It's mm-hmm. actually locked into our DNA.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's gone it's away. At all. Yeah, I don't think it's gone away. Um, I mean, the year that the novel is set is uh, 1975, so it's a year after the Ulster. Workers' Council strike, and um, there's a passage in the book where Kushner remembers things that happened during the strike, so every single one of those things happened, um, you, you know, to my family, I mean, just like, you know, my immediate um, family during the strike, so we were stopped by a neighbour uh, uh, with a gun at a roadblock who pretended not to know us, and um, um, yeah, there were all, all kinds of things like that. And I Someone
0: brought your milk. Someone
1: brought milk right. in a Lucas-Aid Yeah, bottle. the milk in the Lucasite bottle. And um, yeah, I can remember my because uh, there have been like there was no food. Like the shops were closed. There was no electricity. Like towards the end of it, it was really uh, pretty bad, and uh, you couldn't really go anywhere because there were roadblocks. So it had become very heavily paramilitarized. And um, and and really, from our point of view, it, it looked as though nobody was really doing anything about that, which is kind of weird. Um, you know, the the, the the roadblocks were just there. Nobody was trying to take them down. You know, the, the security forces didn't intervene. So I think that um, there was, I think there was definitely a feeling after that, that that had been a, a very uh, genuine um, attempt at power sharing. Um, that, um, I mean, the Ulster Workers' Council strike started with the Dublin bombings. That was on the first day of the Ulster Workers' Council strike. So there was a very clear, clear message in there, you know, like the slogan was "Dublin's just a sunningdale away." And um, but if you look at it, so so there was a, there was a, you know, then direct rule just went back. They just gave up and it went back to to, to Westminster for a very long time. But there's no government there now, um, you know. Um, the the DUP are um, talking with a straight face about stakeholders who are actually loyalist paramilitaries. Um, you know I think there are a lot of things to be kind of concerned about and I don't think it's gone away really um, I think there have been I, I think as well that the um, uh, that the good effects of the of the of the um, of the Good Friday Agreement really haven't been felt in a lot of areas um, and again it's the, it's the same thing that that I always thought that geography and class um, ha, have, have an awful lot to do with it
0: Louise, thank you very much for the book, and thanks very much for the conversation. It's really good of you to come.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Amelia.
0: Looking forward to your next book. Thank you. Okay,
1: take care.